This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. P.O. Grey Hot. Hello and welcome to another episode of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Richard Marquez, and joining me as always is Amy and Justin. How are you guys doing? Doing great. So excited to be here on another episode of Earl Grey. I'm doing great. Welcome back, Amy, after being out last week. Oh, yes. Thank you. And thank you to Patrick for filling in. Yeah, that's right. I forgot that you were gone last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we we had we had a lot of fun, and hopefully, when you listen to it, Amy, you'll enjoy the crazy commentary we did. Yes, <laughs> you know, we. I was just thinking we should probably post a video with the uh, with the episode and have like little characters of us, like in um, what's that what's that TV show? Mystery Theater, t- uh, Mystery Science uh, Mystery Theater. Science? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cute, but. It definitely was a great time. It was a great time. Awesome. Um, well, uh, Justin, we had a couple of uh, emails. Would you like to talk about them? Uh, yes. Uh, so this week we had two emails from listeners. Uh, the first one came from Thad Hate Height. Sorry, I'm not sure how to pronounce your last name, but uh, here's the email that we got. I really enjoyed the discussion about unsung episodes in season seven. I was definitely not expecting anyone to make a case for force of nature. I was surprised that when talking about Journey's End, no one mentioned that it was the first of a few episodes on TNG and DS9 that set up Voyager. I agree with Amy about thine own self. I like both the A and B plots in the episode. I have a minor issue with the Troy plot, though. I like the idea of her passing the command test, but I have trouble believing this is the only requirement for becoming a full commander. Data is the second officer on the ship, and we see him in command on multiple occasions. Surely this means he passed the command test, and yet he's a lieutenant commander. What gives? So thank you, Thad, for your email. I know there's a couple of things in here. Force of Nature, I think that was one that that you had put on your list, right, Richard? Yes, I did. Yeah, I did. So it was... An unexpected surprise, so that's cool, and we enjoyed talking <laughs> about that one. They also mentioned Journey's End, and uh, you're right, we didn't mention that what's there helps to set up the the Maquis, uh, which is important in some episodes of DS9, and of course very important in the Voyager setup, so thank you for pointing that out. Well, we did talk about it 
before with our uh, co-host Lee when we did How Does Next Gen Set Up Deep Space Nine? Actually, that was just you and me, uh, Amy. Oh. Because uh, uh, Lee was doing so I can't remember what he was doing, but yeah, it was just you and me, actually. Oh, okay. Because he, uh, he remember because. We talked about it, and he kept on like a fan. He was like, "Oh no, yeah, it's we this. read no, his that. we read his email." So it's like he was on yeah. the show, but he wasn't. But he was right, exactly. Yeah, no, but but good point. We've talked about it before, but in this particular last episode for Unsung, we didn't happen to mention it, but it happens. <laughs> and yeah, Thad, definitely. I always love hearing that Amy is right and that you agree with me. So just yeah, keep on bringing those emails in. <laughs> He says he agrees with you. Yes. <laughs> that means we're right, right, Thad? <laughs> but what do you guys what do you guys think about um that passing the command test is the only requirement for becoming a full commander? I'm pretty sure that there was some kind of written test and maybe even something we haven't seen. I I would hope I would hope that Starfleet doesn't just base it off of a holographic test like that and you know, makes them a full uh, full uh, commander. There's got to be some kind of test and there's got to be some kind of... I mean, traditionally, the, how the military does it, they do testing as well as a board actually uh, actually selects the person. So, I mean, obviously, this is television, so it's a little different, but um, I would hope that there's some kind of test, like a written test of some sort. Yeah, I, I agree that there's got to be more. I mean, we're just seeing this one portion I think there's many components to the test. Obviously, her uh, anyone's years of service is going to be combined. I'm sure there were classes and, and readings and, and uh, written papers and tests, written tests and, you know, holograph, hologram tests. So I'm sure, sorry, I sort of blanked out there, but I, I think we just saw one snippet of the portion of the command test. Yeah. And yeah, I'm sure that, that data sense. has gone through it as well. Yeah, I think that makes sense. All right. We'll just have to imagine what that was like for Troy. <laughs> so we received a second email uh, from Rebecca Skipper. Uh, she says, hi, your unsung season seven episodes has been my favorite series on Earl Grey. Dark Page is a great episode. Loxana Troy's inability to grieve and heal from the loss of her daughter shows that there are some universal concepts among all the Federation species. Those that can't recover or heal from grief need help. I think this episode is sad, but comforting for anyone grieving because it humanizes the process. Yes, bad choice of words, but I like how Star Trek The Next Generation deals with grief and loss in this episode. So thank you, Rebecca, for your feedback. And I will mention, since Amy had mentioned Dark Page as an unsung episode, and I said, I don't remember what that one was about. I haven't seen it for a while. Uh, since then, in the last couple of weeks, I went back and rewatched it. And it is a really good episode. And I appreciate the, the, yeah, the themes of grief and loss. And it's really touching. It, it made me cry toward the end. So I know that that's a, that means it's a really good episode. So yeah. thank you both for encouraging me to watch that episode. Well, not only emails, but we got some great response on the Babel Conference, and I'd like to read a couple of the comments that were posted there. Brigida J. Romano says, I loved this episode, again, talking about Unsung Episodes Season 7. Thank you for mentioning my changing phones. Yeah, that was a fun thread. Right now, I'm using CastBox, so that's good. I'm switching around until I find one I like, but won't be missing any episodes. That's great. We would love to have you continuing listening. 
And Brigitta continues to says, I agree with Amy. Love it. On Dark Page. I think it added a lot of depth to Luwaxana's character and made her easier to understand. Maybe she's so overly attached to Troy because she's lost her husband and a child. And I think that definitely shows a different uh, depth to her relationship with Troy. I hadn't even thought about that. I was just thinking about it with her as a character, but her interactions with Troy is explained in part through that episode. And I like also, you know, as I was rewatching it, I forget that you get to see Deanna's father, Ian Troy, and um, like a certain representation within Waxana's mind. But that's really cool. And that's the only time we get to to see him. And it kind of adds to what you think about Deanna, which is great. Yeah. Luke Sims Jenkins says, oh, geez, once again, not too sure which ones are much loved apart from maybe all good things attached, parallels, preemptive strike, and lower decks. But I also love Journey's End, Firstborn, Gambit is Silly Fun, Dark Page. Pegasus, though, is a top 10 TNG episode for me. Yes, those definitely are a lot of great episodes in season seven. So thank you for pointing that out. And Corey Elrod says, season seven is definitely underestimated. We agree. Thanks for the shout out. I think Dark Page could explain why Luwaxana is so over the top. Oftentimes, some of the saddest people are the most outgoing and seemingly happy. It definitely added depth to her character. Again, I think we can all at one point or another in our lives relate to that where, you know, life is sort of terrible and we just have to put on a happy face. And we see that that Luoxana does that for years and years. So thank you listeners for emailing us and commenting on the Babel conference. We love hearing your thoughts and thank you for listening. Outstanding. I love it. Love all these comments. They're great. Hey, Justin, um, what, uh, why don't you tell us about the, uh, the iTunes contest that we're running? That fabulous book that you keep telling us about? Yeah, just another reminder, listeners, if you're in the U.S., uh, just put a star rating and written review on iTunes uh, through December 31st, and you'll have a chance to win the wonderful book, The Art of Juan Ortiz for the Next Generation. There's 178 beautiful prints that cover every single episode, and it's a really wonderful book. So if you haven't already, uh, go ahead, if you're in the U.S., and submit a star rating and written review on iTunes for Earl Grey. Thank you. It is a perfect coffee table book. I mean, showstopper. People will walk in and want to look at it. And you will want to look at it, too. It's great. I don't know about coffee table. What if they want to put their cup on it? You know, you don't want to ruin that artwork. <laughs> True. <laughs> but, yeah, it, uh, I actually saw it in Barnes & Noble's uh, last week. And, um, uh, yeah, I rummaged through it, and it was actually pretty nice. So, I yeah, you, this is definitely a great book, Uh for you guys to uh, win. Well, I guess we should say hosts and family members of hosts of Earl Grey are ineligible. Are we going to do blood tests on, on, on family members? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll just look at Facebook, see which, which are their friends. That's you know, right. There we go. <laughs> awesome. Well, today we'll actually be starting a two-part series on actors who have gotten their start on the next generation. Now, there's not that many, but I think we have enough to talk about. So, in this episode, we're just going to be covering seasons one through four. So, um, Justin, why don't you share with us with the the first name? 
So the, the first name that we have here is uh, Robert Nepper. Uh, he was in a season one episode, Haven, playing Wyatt Miller. And this was the one where we found out uh, Deanna is supposed to be married to this human guy named named Wyatt. So I enjoy the episode. I think it's it's uh, it's a really good episode, and I enjoy him in this episode. You know, for a lot of these, I didn't realize that that, that these people who had had these roles had gone on to do so many uh, so many different things. So on on Haven, this was one of my unsung choices, and I really enjoy this. And yeah, Deanna is has this prearranged marriage that she finds out. And, uh, but Wyatt Miller has some amazing credits to his name afterwards. Um, and I'm just going to jump right in. You mean Robert Nepper has amazing credits? Well, no, that's his character. Yeah. That's her. She was talking about his character. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Robert Nepper. Excuse me. Um, so I don't know if you guys remember Young Guns 2, but in 1990 was in Young Guns 2 as Deputy Carlisle. Mm -hmm. Um, do you guys remember the movie When the Bow Breaks, 1994? He was Lieutenant Jimmy Creedmore. And I remember seeing that, but don't ask me much more than that. It's been a long time since I've seen that. So, yeah, don't ask me don't, either. I don't know if I've seen that one. Yeah, he was uh, in an episode of Voyager, which maybe you guys have seen, Dragon's I Teeth. He have. was Gaul. Yeah, I have. Yep. It's, it's an interesting episode with the... Vodwar. Oh, it's been a little while since I've seen it. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is the one where they find this planet and there are these, there had been this destructive war and there are these soldiers that they wake up after they've been in hibernation for like 700 years or something crazy like that. So did it's, you remember him as Wyatt in Haven? Well, I mean, if you look at the um, the, the picture of, of this guy, Gaul, that, that he plays, he's the leader of, of the Vaudoir. I mean, there's like heavy prosthetics, and I don't think there'd be any oh, way you'd be okay. able to tell it's the same guy unless you're looking you'd have for to the actually name. Look it up. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. I, I actually had no idea before you put together this list that that was the same guy who also played Wyatt on Haven. Oh. Like, no idea. <laughs> so I remember his face, and I, I remember him in, in other, um, like, movies and in in tv shows but i just i couldn't remember him here on tng it was like uh, yeah and then definitely uh remembering him on uh dragon's teeth because i remember seeing his name when it comes up on uh for voyager i'm like oh all right well that's cool (laughs) so yeah definitely uh very cool so he was also on Heroes, which there's a tie again with other Star Trek. Uh, he was Sam Sullivan, Samuel Sullivan from 2009-2010. Did any of you guys watch Heroes? Yes. Oh. I did. Save the cheerleader. <laughs> and one thing that I remember him from, uh, he plays Antonius on The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 1 and Part 2 in 2014 and 15. Uh, he was also in Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, in 2016 as General Harkness. But the one thing that totally surprised me, and I just, I don't even know, and I saw this and I was like, oh my gosh, he was T-Bag, Theodore Bagwell, on Prison Break, 2005 to 2017, in 89 episodes. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was just looking at the pictures and I'm like, that is totally him. So I was pretty happy. To, I loved Prison Break. I've seen them all. Did Tell you guys us about watch it because that? Richard and I haven't seen it. Oh nope, my! I've never seen Prison Break. Gosh. <laughs> Prison Break is so good. There's 
Good. Is it? Are you sure? Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, 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 okay. The, the one thing that bothers me about that TV show is that, okay, so I've never watched it, just FYI. I've never even watched Okay, something one episode, bothers you about so. it, even though you haven't seen it. All right, right bring it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, you know, but I always see the, in the infomercials or commercials or whatever you want to call them. Um, and it's like, it's like, so he gets out of prison and then he goes back in and then he comes back out, in, out. Isn't it the whole idea to get, is to break out of it? Yes, but there are extenuating circumstances where he has to go back in. So he what goes in. What extenuating circumstances are there to go back to prison? Well, I don't want to <laughs> spoil it. I guess so. you have to see it. <laughs> But they end up working with the government, and so then that's why he goes in as undercover. So Um, there, I spoiled it for you. But he does a great job, and he is the creepiest, nastiest, grossest character, and he pulls it off just... Ooh, he's slimy, and he's so, so good. So like the opposite of Wyatt Miller. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's cool. And then just recently, he was on the Orville, If the Stars Should Appear. And that was the one, if you are watching uh, the Orville, that's the one where he is plays um, Hamillac. And it's where they find this ship that acts as an entire uh Place kind of, of like living. an entire planet, really. Yeah, like in this mm-hmm. planet, and it's headed for a star for destruction, and so they go and save it. And so he's one of the leaders there. So I think okay. uh, Robert Nepper is a great actor and just so excited to see him do so well after Haven. Yeah, very cool. I mean, when you put that on the list, I was like, wow, he's in this show Prison Break for 89 episodes? That's a big like deal for an actor, you know? Yeah. Wow, it's like a reoccurring. Yeah, or definitely can't can't be considered guest. Uh, I think actor. he must be like. A, is he like a main character? Of what? I'm sorry. Oh, of Prison Break. Is, Prison Break. Is that a main character because he's in so many? Um, he's a major character. Like the okay. two brothers, they're the main characters. That yeah. Mm. So, right. well, okay. Can I do the next one? Sure. Yeah. Yes. Go for it. I didn't want to steal it because I know how much you like Dallas. You're talking to Richard. Richard. <laughs> oh, oh, you're talking to me. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, huh? <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So again, another one that really surprised me was Brenda Strong, and she plays Rochella uh, in season one, episode seventeen of When the Bow Breaks. And this is the episode. Help me out, guys. This is the one that I usually always forget. <laughs> Oh, um, uh, uh, oh yeah. This is where they need to kidnap the children to repopulate thank their you. society. Yes. <laughs> thank you. That's right. <laughs> the, it, it, oh, that's right. It's a Wesley episode. That's <laughs> oh, right. of course Richard doesn't remember. Meyer, blue, drew a blank. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So in that episode, she plays Rochella and she's does a great, great job. Um, And then what we've seen her in since that was one thing she has shown up in, and I love Seinfeld. She played Sue Ellen in Seinfeld. I think that was um, four episodes that she was in. Can you remind me who that was? Because I've probably seen it, but it's been a while. Like what episodes Um, that was? The title was The Abstinence, where they were. (laughs) Yeah, I think I know which one you're talking about. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just leave that there. Okay. All right. I think I know 
And then she was Mrs. Carmen McCool in Seventh Heaven from 2000 to 2002. One thing that I definitely remember um, watching was Desperate Housewives from 2004 to 2012. And she was Mary Alice Young, which we never really saw, but she was the voice. We saw her in pictures, um, but she was the voice of Mary Alice Young. And then my favorite, she was Anne, oh, Ewing, Ewing. On <laughs> Dallas, the new remake of Dallas, 2012 to 2014, oh, sorry. 40 <laughs> episodes to her name. She And I remember watching Dallas and I was like, who? I just loved her character. She was the one who was married to Bobby and she did so, so good. And I was like, why do I recognize her? And now I have the answer. So three years later. Crazy. Oh, you said Dallas. I thought you said Alice. I was like, <laughs> what is Alice? Are you talking about? I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. No Did Dallas. you watch the new Dallas on the TNT? I have not. I have not had a chance oh, to see that yet. No, I have not. Well, I watched Dallas with my mother back in the 80s. And so to me, it has a very soft spot in my heart because it's me and my mom time. But mm. when it came out, I mean, just total drama, total Dallas all the way. It was great. And and Brenda Strong does a, a, just a stellar job in, in Dallas. She also, for our Supergirl fans, is Lillian Luther and is credited with 11 episodes from 2016 to 2017. You guys watch Supergirl? Do you know Lillian Luther? Nope. Okay, yeah. me neither. <laughs> so, Amy, this is the episode where listeners find out that there's not a lot of stuff besides Star Trek I've seen in the last 20 years. Right. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Well, listeners, if you recognize any of these things that we are talking about, please go ahead and let us know. We, um, When we compiled this list, we were just thinking of what maybe some listeners might have listened, watched or seen. One of the things that I actually remember Brenda Strong from, and it's it's every single time. Every time I see her face, the, the only thing I can think of is Starship Troopers. As Captain Delatier, I hmm. love her <laughs> in that movie, and not because she dies or anything like that, but uh, it's spoilers. Just, <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. If you if you haven't seen the 1997 blockbuster I I that, years that, ago, that rocked the world, <laughs> <laughs> or at least to me it did, because I absolutely love that movie for its it's going beyond <laughs> what is what's what's considered normal. But like, um, but yeah, it's uh, one of my favorite. Uh, uh, and she, she, I don't know, she's not really that tall, is she? No, she's not. Like, well, but the thing is, like, in the movie, she looks like, or she, I feel like she's like nine feet tall. <laughs> did you, did you ever think that when you, when you watched that movie, Justin? Uh, the that, the last time very, I saw it was tall? when it came out 20 years ago, so I, I don't know. <laughs> oh. Well, I watch it almost every year. So, <laughs> so to me, she looks like she's nine feet okay. tall in that movie. Well, that's cool. So, even though she's not, obviously. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Brenda Strong. Outstanding. Well, um, and well, since we since we're talking about people who are just getting their stardom, we cannot, absolutely cannot forget Terry Hatcher. Love her. <laughs> you know, and honestly, I didn't know that she was even in TNG for, uh, except for a couple of years ago. So it's been uh, you know since yeah, I didn't even know she was a part of this until. Really started looking at who um, guest actors and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so um, she uh, she was obviously uh, the transporter chief, B.G. Robinson, on the outrageous 
Okuna? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah. Okuna. Thank you. Yeah, she was the one who was at the transporter when Okuna came and and he ends up seducing her in the end. (laughs) Yes. Well, he is this handsome rogue who comes on board and, you know, the Captain Picard has to decide who to turn him over because there are two factions who say, oh, he's a scoundrel and oh, we need him. And it's it's a very fun, lighthearted episode. It's it's really an acute, nice ending, too. I like it. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I'm not much of a fan of it, but it's cool to see yeah, her in the Terry episode. Terry Hatcher is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was also Amy um, on Love Boat Mermaid. No, no, no. She was Amy, oh, the Love Boat the Mermaid. The Love Boat Mermaid. Thank you. <laughs> and I threw that on there because she, even though it is before she was on the Love Boat 1985-1986, and then mm-hmm. in Next Gen in 1988, I just thought I'd throw it out there for all the Love Boat fans out there. Yeah, so she had a little bit going on, but she wasn't you know, famous for being on Love Boat, right? Right. She had to have been very young for that TV role, right? How old was she when she was on uh, TNG? I don't know. Anyway, I would matter. need to <laughs> check. Was that, in, that was in 88, so she was... It says 85, 86. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. for 88. Yeah, yeah she was yeah, born yeah, in right. 64, so I guess she was in her early 20s for yeah. both of them. Oh, okay, never mind then. <laughs> That's, I thought she was a lot younger than that. I guess not. <laughs> um, and I know her actually as Lois Lane uh, from the Lewis and Clark, uh, The New Adventures of Superman, and I'm sure Zach will love that. <laughs> yep, she was in that from 1993 to 1997. Yeah, I absolutely love that TV show. That TV show is great. And my favorite one is Tomorrow Never Dies, James Bond, 1997. She was Paris Carver. She just rocked that role. I love the Pierce Brosnan James Bond, so I loved seeing her on this movie. She was amazing. She she sold the character to me. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. And, of course, another Star Trek connection is that Michelle Yeoh is in that movie. who's in Discovery. So That's right. That's right. Uh. That's right. Very much so. And she was also Miss Grandico. Grandenko. Is that how you say Grandenko? that? Grandenko. Uh, spike it. I've never even seen that movie, to be quite <laughs> honest. Well, I thought maybe some of our listeners had seen Spy Kids in 2001. Oh. Hmm. Okay. Okay, cool. Right on. And then, of course, um, we also know her from Desperate Housewives as Susan Mayer. And then she got married to Delfino. uh, Yes. Love Desperate Housewives. She was amazing in that. Sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's fine. I'm glad that you love it. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. (laughs) Another TV show that Justin and I have not seen. I have not seen, no. (laughs) But she was on there for so long. It was 2004 to 2012. Is that that the thing that really made her more well-known? No. James Bond or Lois Lane. I mean. I was going to say, yeah, it's probably Lois Lane. Yeah. Like else. I said, you're talking to someone who hasn't paid attention to a lot of that stuff for a while. <laughs> well, and you know, it, if we were to talk about like when, she, I, I mean, I really think it's Lois Lane. Maybe, maybe people might think it's Paris, Car- uh, her as Paris Carver. Hmm. But there's not much acting needed for a James Bond movie when it comes to the Bond girls. So, to me, there isn't. It means so. taking some offense. Ooh, <laughs> I'm just saying. I she she dies in it, and it's like it's, she only has like what a few lines in it, and that's really about it. It's not like um, Christmas um, off of um, the world's not, or is it world's not enough? Um, 
whatever her name is. I don't right. Know yeah, I know who you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. I mean, she actually had a role in yeah. everything. So, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I'm and my daughter loves this movie. Um, is that Cor- that's the Coraline one? Mm-hmm. That, that's the animator one, right? Uh, is it Mae Jones? Yeah, that's Mae Jones. In the 2009 Coraline. And actually, my, my daughter's actually been getting into that movie uh, she's watched it a couple of times mm. and she absolutely loves that movie. So, okay. Yeah. And then I've only watched one or two episodes of uh, Supergirl. She's Ray off of, uh, in obviously Supergirl as well. Yeah. And I recognize her from that. So, oh, another Supergirl. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was fun to have her back on Supergirl when she played Lois Lane on Lois and Clark. So, I thought that was good. Yeah. So, her and Brenda yeah, Strong definitely- have both done things on Desperate Housewives and Supergirl. Yes. There's going through this. There are a lot of connections and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, one or two episodes that they've done on TV shows and, you know, and a lot of them you just see there's this show called Sisters that quite a few actors have shown up on. And but I yeah. Anyways, it's interesting to see. It's a small world in Hollywood, I think. So the next one is uh, Nikki Cox, who is in the season two, episode 15, uh, called uh, pen pals. And of course, listeners might remember this is the one where data receives a signal from a girl on a planet that's in some trouble. Um, and, uh, Nikki Cox plays Sarjenka, the little girl who's supposed to be like 10 or 11 years old. I, I like, um, that role a lot. And I think she's great as, you know, this, this alien child that has to kind of carry the other half of the story. We don't even really see her parents, I don't think. So she's really carrying a lot of the story and she, I think she's great in, in that role. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about Sarjenka? I totally agree. I, I love this episode. It's a very good data story. It yeah. is. And she does great showing her desire to reach out to data and to have that connection. I mean, it just, it really pulls at your heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Data, and, you know, are not you only, there? Not oh! <laughs> data! <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. So then the next thing we have on the list for her is she played girl in Terminator 2. <laughs> so okay. I just figured, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. So, so, she's, so she's the one that ratted out John O'Connor okay. and told the T-1000 where exactly he was in the arcade oh, in the mall. the bad girl. So she's the one that ratted him out. <laughs> so if, had she had not ratted him out, the whole chase scene in, through the Los Angeles spillway would not have happened. <laughs> Interesting, but no, that's 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 who she was. She was the one that was talking to the T one thousand as as a cop. So okay, well, and when Terminator two came out, it was definitely one of my favorite movies when I was a a kid, and I saw it a number of times. But cool to know in that she was in nineteen ninety one. In ninety one, yeah, <laughs> you know, back before I wasn't watching new things. <laughs> it's not <laughs> entirely true, but see the thing with me is for the most part besides Star Trek, I like to watch comedies and a lot of these are dramatic things except for a few mm-hmm. things. So, anyway. <laughs> so then after that, uh Nikki Cox played Gina Williams from 1993 to 1995 on General Hospital. You guys It's always good to have a soap General opera Hospital? under your belt. Yeah, it's good to have a soap opera. I can't say that I've General Hospital was one that I didn't watch, so I'm unfamiliar. Okay. And of course, because of the soap opera, they probably had thousands and thousands of different people on these shows. So, but interesting. Um, And then after that, uh, she was Tiffany Malloy in 100 episodes of Unhappily Ever After from 1995 to 1999. 
Is this a show you guys saw? No. I didn't see it, but I figured 100 episodes. That was a pretty major character there. So, Yeah. Well, listeners who have seen it will have to let us know what they thought. Oh, my gosh. I have not seen that show. I just looked it up. I have not seen that show in years. But you did see it? <laughs> I have seen it. it. It's been a long time, and now I feel old. <laughs> but do you know who this character was? I, I do now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that was her. Wow, that's uh, that's amazing. I did not know that she was on this uh, TV show. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so then after that, she was bright student in 2000's Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps. Now, that's one I have seen, and I, I like the Nutty Professor movies for the most part. I think they're they're pretty funny. But so she was bright student, didn't have a name, <laughs> I guess. Nope. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, not much, not much there. She was a bright student. Yeah, I mean, it sounds a little familiar. I'd probably have to. I probably haven't seen that movie for a while. I haven't seen that movie at all. Okay. I don't I, tend you, to do comedies like that. So yeah, that's funny. I've and seen I don't, the first one. You saw the first one, which is <laughs> pretty did. good. See, and I t- yeah. don't tend to do drama, so I'm the opposite of you, Amy. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's why we're on the show together, so we can cover all and hopefully catch a lot. Yeah, because if this was just me, this wouldn't be a long show at all. I'd just be reading a list. <laughs> um, anyway, so the other thing we have uh, for her here is Mary Connell from 2003 to 2007 in the show Las Vegas for 88 episodes. Las Vegas, that's something you can relate to. I know. And I remember, so I moved here to Las Vegas in 2005. So in the middle of the show run and I heard about it and I was like, oh, I should probably watch it because it's Las Vegas. And I never got around to it. And now I missed out on Nikki Cock. That's a shame. I know. (laughs) So is that TV? Is that like a drama TV show? Yeah. Las Vegas? Yeah. I don't think I've ever, I don't even think I've heard of it. I mean, I saw commercials for it all the time. It's like, all right, Las Vegas, I get it. <laughs> so, so question, yeah, like what, what is Nikki Cox most known for? Probably pen pals. <laughs> <laughs> well, in <laughs> our opinion. <laughs> well, yeah, but like pro- it's probably, it's probably general hospital, but then again, it's probably general hospital for those that are probably like hardcore TV fans and all that, that, mm-hmm. that see her from that. But Honestly, the person that I know her as is Tiffany Malloy in Unhappily Ever. Okay. After. I mean, so if you look at it, me. that's the yeah. most episodes. And she was only on General Hospital for two years, so not yeah, long like enough. You said, that's, like you said, there's probably like a million episodes in between those, or whoever said that. There's probably a lot of episodes in between those years. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not a character that's, you know, a staple of General Hospital is what I'm saying. No. You know, so. Oh, okay, okay. I think probably unhappily ever after with a hundred episodes in Las Vegas with eighty eight. So yeah, I mean that's yeah. still. I mean if it if it even if it didn't make her like world famous, that's still you know big success for an actor to be able to be on that many episodes of a couple different yeah. shows. So and right, she's exactly. worked pretty consistently if you look at those mm-hmm. dates. She's yeah, and I mean of course, listeners, we're not mentioning everything that these people have been in because a lot of them have gone on to be in dozens or hundreds of different things. So I mean it's a testament to how Star Trek can help actors' careers, and in this case, Next Generation, to kind of launch things for them. So, yes. Very cool. Yeah. So one that I was happy to see was Ken Jenkins, and he plays Dr. Stubbs, Dr. Paul Stubbs, in uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Evolution, in 1989. 
And he was a great, this is the show where uh, ugly bags of mostly water. No, this is with the nanites. That's right. Uh, oh. That's right. The nanites. Home the nanites the that escape from Wesley's, Wesley's uh, experiment. experiment. Yeah. Yes. Oh, God. And so they're running around. <laughs> yes. We're going to torture Richard with Wesley <laughs> references Ugh. every episode. <laughs> So he plays Dr. Paul Stubbs, and uh, what it was interesting, he played another Paul, Beckstead, on Wise Guy in 13 episodes, um, 1988 to 1990. Did you guys ever see Wise Guy? Maybe. I don't know that What one. was the premise? I don't know. <laughs> it's 88 to 90, probably not. I mean, Wise, yes. guy, wise guy, I'm thinking, does that have to do with Mafia or something like that? I don't know. I may have seen it, but... Well, right. he was a um, Captain Tom Pickett in 1996, Last Man Standing, that movie, if you remember that one. He, the Bruce Willis movie, The Blockbuster. There you go. Okay. No, I know the movie. I just, I, yeah. Okay. Uh, he was Judge Philip McNeely in the 2001 movie, I Am Sam, which I loved that movie. That was a really good movie. But we know him best as Bob Kelso on Scrubs from 2001 to 2010. And boy, he does a great job on Scrubs. So funny, his sense of timing and just, he's really, really good on Scrubs. Yeah, he's hilarious on Scrubs. I absolutely love that show. I haven't seen it. Tell me more. <laughs> you haven't seen any episode of Scrubs. Uh, maybe it's I like seen on one, rerun. I galore. know, I know. <laughs> but I probably, if I have, I may have just seen a little bit. But yeah, it's, I've it's, only seen reruns, so I, I never watched it when it was but it, on. It's, it's weird the things that that I'll choose to watch or, or not watch, and there's probably a lot of things where people be like, "You haven't seen that?" And like, no, I haven't. I was yeah, and Scrubs other is stuff. a comedy, Mister Mister. I watch comedy. <laughs> I haven't watched every comedy ever made, but well, that's there true. we go. But there yeah, no, true. I mean, but there are some things I don't know why I just don't go out of my way to watch. But yeah, maybe I should check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it when when Richard gasps like, oh, can't believe that. <laughs> no, uh, no, Scrubs is actually a pretty good TV show. It's really good drama. It's it's, I mean, it's 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 a, definitely a crossbreed between drama and and comedy. And it's no, it's, it's a comedy more. Well, it's more comedy, but there are some serious episodes in it too. So, but yeah, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good show. Mm-hmm. It really is. You should watch it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, the next one on our list, and honestly, I don't remember her too well, but seeing some of these, um, uh, some of the, this work, I recognize her. But anyway, so, um, so she is. Uh, so it's Pamela. Is it Seagal? Seagal? So she was she was Pamela Segal during the first I think it was up to around 2000 and then she mm-hmm. got married and so now if you search her it would be Pamela Adlon. Ah. Okay. So th- that's why I put that. I mean I do recognize her is it OG? Uh-huh. Is that, is that, is yeah. that what it is? Yeah. OG that's right. Um from who's who watches the watchers and uh, I definitely remember her from that. Um, a very, I love, very important. Love episode. that episode. I mean, if if uh, if listeners don't remember, that's the one where uh, there's this civilization, this kind of Vulcanoid-like civilization that's being observed from 
uh, I guess behind what you consider like a duck blind and they get Mm -hmm. discovered. And then there's all of this stuff that happens because they've been discovered. And, and she plays, I think the daughter of, you know, one of the people that makes this discovery and she's really good and it's a really excellent episode. Yeah, most definitely. She's definitely one of those uh, good actors in that one. Very important one. (laughs) Um, and then it looks like sparks, uh, from, is it phantom 2040? I don't I even know what that TV show is about. Well, what is that? 26 she, episodes. Yep, 26 episodes from 1994 to 96. I figured maybe some of our listeners might have watched Phantom 2040, so I put it it's on It's got the 2040 list. in it. It's probably sci-fi, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Thing. So listeners, have you calling watched all, Phantom 2040? Yeah, calling all Phantom 2040 fans. That sounds like a, like a time travel TV show. No? Could be. Like a phantom, maybe a ghost. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> but there you go. Sparks from uh, 20, uh, Phantom tw- uh, 2040. And uh, apparently she did voice work under Rugrat- Rugrats, the hmm. cartoon uh, Nickelodeon TV show. She did a lot of voice work, and that's really what she's known for. Um, I think hmm. she has three named... Uh, credits on Rugrats and then just a bunch of voices here and there. Um, I'm sure people who know voice actors know that if you're on a show, then you're doing like 20 different voices whenever you Mm -hmm. need one. So yeah, I thought Rugrats, I'm sure lots of listeners know that, especially those that have children. Yeah, I've probably seen a few. Yeah, definitely uh, used to love, uh, well, my brother used to love Rugrats when he was growing up as a kid. So, oh, here we go. Here's Here are the names. So he was Dean... Sticky, wise guy, and uh, young, I'm sorry, she, not he, (laughs) and young Drew Pickles. (laughs) Interesting. For like 10 years on that show, it looks like, right? Yeah. Wow, very cool. That's that's a lot of work. Yeah. (laughs) And she was also uh, Bobby Hill from King of the Hill. Oh, my God. You know, I saw that and I was like, oh, really? (laughs) The same woman who played OG was Bobby Hill, which... I always find it amazing on these animated series when when there's, you know, like a male character and there's, you know, a female actress who's doing the voice work and like, that is so cool. And and she's been doing it, did it for like 13 years, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I like that show a lot. I've seen, this is one I have seen a lot of. <laughs> Sweet. I, I unfortunately show. have seen maybe two episodes. What do you mean, unfortunately? I oh, could okay. not stand <laughs> really? it. Really? And I it unfortunately, I know who Bobby Hill is. That's sad. But so good job, Pamela. <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's just like with Nancy Cartwright, uh, who did Bart Simpson's yeah. voice. I did not know who who the voice was uh, for Bart Simpson for for a very very long time, and I had no idea it was a it was a woman that was doing the voice. And you know what? There no are some idea. things that I've seen from like the the eighties or nineties where. She's actually, you know, it's in a live action show and it's like, oh my God, it's Bart Simpson. Because it's a similar voice that, that's her right. real voice. <laughs> and, you know, it's it, so getting to know my daughter's cartoons and everything, like some of the, like, you know, John Delancey has actually been on um, My Little, uh, Pony, my Little Ponies. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's like so, uh, seeing some of those actors, it's like, oh my gosh. I was like, I don't understand how you could do that, that stuff. But yeah, it's really, it's really cool stuff. It really is. They, they, they put a lot of work into that. But I think actors like the voice work because it's like you, you, you know, you show up, you get your lines, or you get to know your lines, and you just do it. You don't have to have all this elaborate preparation for how you're going to look. So I I was just about to say, do you think they come in their slippers and in pajamas when they do it? I, 
I, I don't know. I think they might. I think when there was an interview before with Marina Sirtis, who did some voice work on Gargoyles, yeah, I think she was like, hey, I can just roll mm-hmm. up in whatever I want to wear. <laughs> so I love that show, too. That's another good show. <laughs> so uh, so next is uh, Marcy Runke. Is that right? Is that is that the character's name? I've never seen Californication um, at all. I've, I've seen commercials for it, but I've never seen the actual show for it. Or uh, an actual episode. So I guess have you guys seen it? Nope, I no, I have not. But I figured she was it. a pretty yeah. substantial character on eighty episodes. So yeah, we'll have to watch it. But the Bobby Hill <laughs> thing is really cool. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess we're, we're gonna go with Bobby Hill's probably uh, probably what she's most known for. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, so. Yeah, probably. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and our final one, I, I, I really, a, Amy, I really think uh, Justice should take. Yes, this one. agreed. <laughs> Even though I haven't seen most of what she's okay. <laughs> so, the last choice for seasons one to four is Michelle Forbes. Now, of course, listeners might know Michelle Forbes played Rolaren, and we've talked about Rolaren on a previous episode, and that was seasons five to seven, but. She did have a previous role on The Next Generation as Dara in Half a Life. So that's the episode where um, they encounter this civilization with people that have to basically commit suicide at age 60. And Loxana falls in love with Timison, who's played by David Ogden Steers, who's amazing. Um, and they it's, it's a really amazing episode, but... Um, Michelle Forbes is in there in a small role, role as Dara, Timison's daughter, trying to convince him to go through with it. So it, it was a small role, but it was one of the very first things that Michelle Forbes did uh, back in season four, episode 22 in 1991. And it was because of that that they called her back to be Rolaren in the in the next season. Um, you, I, I Go ahead. Did I just have deja vu? I swear you said that before <laughs> from this. No. I mean, didn't you? Uh, uh, never mind. Never mind. I may have it, it said something about this on our row episode. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> deja vu. But anyway, um, <clears throat> but but I like that that early role that she had as as Dara. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's great, and how she plays and into, you know, what her culture teaches, and that her father should go through with the ceremony and commit suicide, kill himself. Uh, is very convincing, and she is a great actress. Yeah, and, and as Dara, she has that real funky hairstyle, the one that like practically sticks straight up. <laughs> That's the way I remember it sometimes. Elaborate headdress or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely forgot. I forgot that she was in this one. Every time, like I think uh, right around the time when you and, uh, we did that episode, I actually saw Half a Life, and I was like, oh, yeah, there she is. There she is. <laughs> so, yeah. Just a little bit before. I forgot. So, um, and, and of course we know her as Rolaren in eight episodes of TNG from 1991 to 1994. And then during that time or shortly after, there were a couple of movies uh, that she was in. Uh, she played uh, Carrie Laughlin in California in 1993. You with guys seen it? With a K. California with a K. <laughs> Haven't I've seen, it? seen it. Okay. Nope. <laughs> um, and then she played uh, Don Lockard in 1994's Swimming with Sharks. Sound Why would you want to swim that? with sharks? <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> no, I haven't seen that one either. 
Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think coming off of, of playing Roche, she was getting into some movies. So, and these are ones some, some of our listeners might know. Another one, she played Brazen from 1996's Escape from L.A. Yep. Don't know that, that one. one. Okay. Well, maybe some of our listeners have. So, um, well, let's get to some of her TV when all right. she, yeah. <clears throat> so let's get to some of the TV stuff. So, so um, she played, uh, Lynn Cressage on 24, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen from 2002 to 2003. Yes! She was in 18 episodes. That is one that I want to go and see. Cause I've just heard, even when it was on, everyone was talking about 24 and I was like, Oh, I've got to see it. And I just haven't had the chance. Did but you guys watch 24? Oh my goodness. Did I watch 24? <laughs> I lived it. So tell us, like, <laughs> what, what, what kind of impression did her character make? I, I absolutely love her in 24. Uh, she's, she's, got a, she's, she's got a great character um, um, with uh, da- the character David Palmer. This is also where um, Sherry Palmer, who happens to be Penny Johnson is also in 24 in the same uh, season as uh, oh, oh, Pen- as Michelle Forbes. Penny Johnson-Gerald, yes. who plays um, Cassidy Yates in DS9, is now in the yep. Orville as a doctor. Okay. Cool. Yep. She's also, she's in the same exact uh, season and everything. And, you know, she plays the other side of uh, Sherry Palmer. Sherry Palmer is actually, um, or Penny Johnson, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> um, is the, is in a sense, the villain or something like that. And honestly, she did a fantastic job to the point where, uh, my wife and I absolutely don't like her <laughs> because of that, because she did a really good job as a villain. Um, and Michelle Forbes is actually really good uh, opposite for, from her trying to help who David Palmer is the president in um, in 24. Um, a, a very good. Uh, she was a very a good actress with uh, paired with him. So oh, very cool. Yeah. Very good. Nice. So I'm sure so, our yeah. listeners will uh have seen Battlestar Galactica 2005 to 2006. Uh, Michelle Forbes was in three episodes as Admiral Helena Kane. You guys watch that? I do not. I'm going to plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm going to have to. I know Norma will probably kill me. Oh, <laughs> I forget. So everyone who watches Battlestar Galactica... BSG, as I see it commonly referred to on the Babel Conference. That's the original, and this one is the new one, the 2005-2006. Right. I have never seen the new one. I've seen the old one, Okay, the new one. Okay. All right. I get it. <laughs> well, she was, um, Michelle Forbes was also Samantha Brinker in Prison Break. She was in seven episodes, and even though I've seen it, I just can't quite remember her. I'd have to look her up. Uh, to see that. So another prison break mention, huh? Yes. So she was also Kate Weston in In Treatment. Again, another TV show I've never even heard of. <laughs> have you guys? In Treatment? I haven't. That sounds like a documentary, not a <laughs> TV show. No? Anyway, it's. I think it's a TV show. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> Sorry if I if I just insulted your TV show. Sorry, um, uh, Barry Ann Foster in True Blood. I've never seen True Blood either. Marion Forster. Yeah. Have you seen it, Amy? Yeah. No, I haven't. <laughs> True Blood. <Wow>. Nope. <laughs> I remember hearing about um, it, but I, I, you know, honestly, I've seen commercials. I've never actually seen it, so I, I don't know. 
Yeah, there we go. Uh, Dr. Penn Verity, Verity, yeah, Verity, in Durham County. I've heard of Durham County, um, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. 2009 TV. Yeah. Okay. I never, I, I, I've heard of it, but never even actually um, seen the actual TV show. So there you go. Okay. So this one, listeners, if you've seen The Killing, that is a Netflix original. And it is a really, really, really good I think there's three seasons, um, but she is in that as Mitch Larson from 2011, 2012, and she's in 26 episodes. And she was really good. Well, The Killing is, um, it's up in Oregon, Washington, the North Northwest, we'll just call it that. Michelle Forbes plays Mitch Larson, and I did recognize her in The Killings, and I would recommend going and seeing that if you like uh, murder dramas. So then finally, I know we mentioned a lot of things for Michelle Forbes, but wanted to mention she's on a current show called Berlin Station as Valerie Edwards, and she's been in 15 episodes so far. You guys seen this one? Never even heard anyway, of it. Anyway, it's a current show, and the last episode dropped like a week ago, so <laughs> it's it's ongoing. So after all these years, after getting... Basically, her start, like over 25 years ago, she's still acting and doing her thing, which is great. Huh. So, is she in... I don't think she's in any big movies, is she? I mean, she she seems strictly just TV. Yeah, I think what happened was, like, um, in the 90s, toward the end of when she was on TNG, she got into some movies, but then got into um, TV shows after that. Um, actually, one of the ones we didn't mention that, I don't know if listeners would be familiar with, but she was Dr. Juliana Cox in Homicide Life on the Street in the late 90s. So she was doing that shortly after TNG for 31 episodes. And yeah, it's pretty much been TV and not movies after those first couple of movies. So hmm. I guess she found her her niche. And it's interesting with some of these, for a couple of them, she played like doctors or admirals or, you know, really important figures of authority. So yeah, it's interesting to look at these lists. So we're going to go with Star Trek she's known for? Well, again, in our realm. <laughs> that's what I know her most for, but <laughs> that's probably true for a lot of these. Um. <laughs> what do you guys think of the list that we've already compiled so far? Justin? Well, <clears throat> I, th- I think it's interesting just to recognize that, you know, some people that got, you know, their start or an early role on The Next Generation went on to do you know, many different um, acting roles in movie and TV. Robert Nepper did a couple in Star Trek, but for the most of the rest of them, it's it's in some other things. And one thing that's also um, in common with a lot of them is they've had roles up until recently or they have roles right now. So, you know, I think the next generation has been an influence for, you know, 25, 30 years for, for these actors and has given them, um, you know, a really great chance. And there's a couple in here where there's some actors who are working on the same shows. So I don't know. It's just, it's just great to see that, you know, you might have like a, a small role on Star Trek or just be on one episode and it helps to, you know, launch something really good for your acting career. Yeah. Looking over the list and just highlighting just a few, I mean, listeners, of course, this is not everyone who's ever been on TNG. We would not be able to do that, but just some of the ones that are, 
that ended up being some pretty big actors has been so interesting to research and to see what they've gone on to do after Star Trek Next Generation has been really, really interesting. And it's like I mentioned during the episode, like, you know, looking through the list, you see that so many of them have been on shows very similar shows, you know, oh yeah, she was on this with this person. And so it's been very interesting to see that uh, connection there and that they have that, you know, sometimes Star Trek, oh, well they played on this. And I just find it very fascinating. And I love seeing that they are successful afterwards. It's, it's great. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I uh, love when I watch other TV shows is that when when I notice other actors uh, from obviously Star Trek or who have either appeared as a guest star or even as a uh, reoccurring role as as a main character, I, I absolutely just get tickled when I'm like, "Ooh, look, <laughs> he used to be on Star Trek." <laughs> and then of course, whoever I'm watching it probably glosses over when they're of boredom when I start talking Star Trek, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, definitely. Um, this this list definitely uh, caught me off, um, by surprise, actually, especially especially just some people that I've just forgot about, like Unhappily Ever After, and you know, voice actors for Rugrats and and whatnot. It's just it's amazing on how much how busy some of these people are, especially Michelle Forbes. I had no idea Michelle, how busy Michelle Forbes is, and I'm glad that she's still doing lots yeah. of work and and whatnot. So it's 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 pretty cool to see that how how well these guys have done. Yeah, we've been able to talk about it for a while, and this is just people who appeared in seasons one through four that we've we, we've taken from our list. So we'll have another episode where we talk about seasons five to seven and the movies because there's just as much to talk about for that. Well, it's been fun talking about actors who have gotten their starts on The Next Generation, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Truck FM. Previously on Trek.fm, the 602 Club. I know, I, I went all in. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, if, I, if it came up short, I think there was going to be a lot of screen caps with a lot of people. I think even on podcasts, I've been <laughs> throwing it all out. Oh, this is going to be one of the best. Trust me on this one. Yeah, Thor 2, ignore that. This one will be the, the bee's knees, as it were. So, yeah, there was a lot of pressure. <laughs> I don't think just on Marvel and Taiki Watiti, uh, but on me and myself with my, uh, my audacious claims. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. And with the final argument that he has with Burnham at the end of the episode, right, everywhere that Burnham is, she's taking away from him, and that's how he feels, right? It, we, we as the audience see it differently, but according to Saru, Burnham is always taking, 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 and destroying Saru's life by taking all this stuff. Meta Trex. But it was 1977 that Kunzel went off and started recording with the Cincinnati Pops. And basically, the Cincinnati Pops and Eric Kunzel saved the Telarc record label back in the 80s when they recorded the 1812 Overture. And that was such a huge record, and classical records weren't doing so well back in the early 80s. Standard Orbit. I wonder how they combined the matter of the two of them. Is there a setting where it's just like combined or not combined? <laughs> You know, obviously, like, <laughs> obviously, it's that little blinking blue button that's kind of shaped like a warp skittle on the right side that does that. Oh, God, I'll, I'll look for that in those close ups of not James Dewan's hands next time I watch the episode. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm.
Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. You don't want to miss out on that Juan Ortiz book. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place is to join us in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel. B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. And as you heard today, if you send us an email, we might read it on the show. And that will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. Well, Justin, where can people reach you on the interwebs? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek, uh, currently tweeting out my season four rewatch of The Next Generation. And you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. So, Richard, where can people find you when you're not watching the shows that we're talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) um, they can find me also on the Babel Conference. I pop in here and there. Um, and I am also on Twitter. My handle is xransom. And Amy, where can they find you? You can find me here on the network. I host The Edge and a little mini show called Postcards from the Edge. And that show is dedicated to Star Trek Discovery, the newest uh, Star Trek series on television. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson. But my favorite place is in the Babel Conference on Facebook. If you'd like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money pro- to produce and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, and Michael Huter. Thank you so much for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. Things are only impossible until they're not. Today is a good day to die!